Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars. Graham Goodwin, my co-host, co-pilot, uh, co-conspirator, he, the editor of DailySportsCar.com, a man who does comms, speaking into microphones to deliver World Endurance Championship events, 24 Hours of Le Mans coming up here shortly, all kinds of good stuff. So you get to hear him here, and you get to hear him there, and you get to read him everywhere. Graham Goodwin, boys and girls, welcome to the show. Hey, Marshall, good to be back again for yet another week um, as we start to kind of tick down towards throwing all my worldly possessions in the back of an Audi and heading off to Le Mans tomorrow uh, for what I've absolutely no doubt whatsoever will be a Keystone Cops-like scene of um, stamps on the back of uh, uh, race passes, COVID testing, checking of QR codes, you name it. It's not going to be straightforward. It's going to be unusual, but it is going to be back there. Got a lot of news, a lot of questions, a lot of everything to get to. Ooh. Not doing a Le Mans preview this week. Nope. Uh, you and whomever we decide you should do that with, probably won't be me, uh, we'll get that set up for next week. That'll be next week's show, looking at the good old 24 hers demands. Uh So for now, let's say a huge thank you to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com for supporting our show and then do as we always do, ask you, the official selector of the various categories we run through each week, that being IMSA, World Endurance Championship, ACO, ELMS, etc., general questions and fun. Where, oh where, do we start this week, Graham Goodwin? We're going to start this week with IMSA. What? Uh, we've been with WEC for a little wee while, and uh, there'll be plenty of that next week. But uh, this week with IMSA, we come off the back of... Uh, well, a busy week, didn't we, uh, in North American racing? Uh, I'm sure you were kind of up to your ears in uh, action last weekend, MP, uh, before I get my hands dirty and get stuck into the press room as of Saturday and then uh, the broadcast booth, and we'll be able to bring you details of who's going to be joining me in the broadcast booth uh, this year. I can give you in a moment or two Scott a couple Tucker. of additional names on your um Motor Trends slash Eurosport team, two new faces, will be joining that team this year. Um, but uh, we'll have details of a couple of new faces for the WEC slash Le Mans 24 Hours TV uh, crew as and when they give us approval to do it. But it will feature the regular WEC crew with some additions. There you go. Well, you're the person who flings, hurls, and catapults questions my way from IMSA. So why don't we start doing that? Let's go with the worst uh, kept secret and the now longest kept secret in sports car racing history, the Cadillac LMDH. This comes off the back of multitude of stories, MP, um, latest of which says that the potential announcement we believe due at the end of next week might now be delayed in the ongoing turmoil to do with what exactly ACO rules GT racing is going to look like. I know both you and I have got plans to write about that in advance of announcement as to what's on the table, but Cadillac, what are we hearing? Thing that I've heard, and if there's been a further change, I'll try and find out about it, but the thing that I've heard, the thing that we mentioned here in the show a week or two ago, whatever it was, is 
plan to announce LMDH at Le Mans. So a physical announcement, people there standing in front of a podium and speaking to an audience. That has since changed, from what I've heard, to a virtual announcement, a virtual, quote, launch. Can't tell you if there will be images, renderings, or just facsimiles of what it might look like. Knowing Cadillac slash GM's history with doing big announcements like this in and around Le Mans, pretty rare, Graham, to see it go off without any kind of depiction of the vehicle, even if it's just something with flair and doesn't have uh, a lot of roots in what the final vehicle will look like. So last that I've heard is, yes, there has been a change, but there is still a plan to announce it virtually next week. Here's the bigger thing to know. So the questions about WEC GT class changes, Corvette, where that might fit in in relation to what's happening with a Cadillac LMDH program. If and how and where and when there are changes to Corvette Racing's strategy in GT related to the 24 Hours of Le Mans and WEC in general, completely separate from what I know to be the reality with Cadillac going forward with an LMDH program. Uh, I am fully aware that as we record this at this very moment, Graham Goodwin, (laughs) Chip Ganassi Racing... The factory team for Cadillac, currently in DPI, and will remain so for years to come, uh, next year in DPI final season, and then into the future in LMDH, as I've written. They are currently at Road America, site of last weekend's race, testing... All right, I am trying to scramble through a bunch of post-it notes here, so I apologize for not having this exactly right in front of me, but uh, I believe the number is five drivers. Uh, There are five drivers I'm aware of that are there. Can't tell you if they're all testing the vehicle, but I think the majority of them happen to be, uh, with things being a little bit busy on the home front, haven't had a chance to reach out and test the comfort level of, hey, I've heard who's testing the car, uh, all of this to both find Kevin Magnuson's full-time replacement for next year, plus staff the second car they're expanding to, uh, and two full-timers there. So four to five drivers needing to fill three full-time spots. Obviously, we have the endurance rounds that would also need staffing. We expect Scott Dixon to continue his role uh, doing that in one of the cars, but they're not doing this because they don't know what the future holds. They're doing this because they know exactly what the future holds. No question about uh, LMDH and Cadillac. Just a question as to if they might want to move the announcement yet again. That could happen. Doesn't mean that the plans in motion have changed, though. So, and knowing the drivers that I've heard on very good account from multiple sources that are there at this test, Graham, they're real people. Like, <laughs> they are names that sports car fans will go, yep, <laughs> I know all yeah. of them. I may have seen them celebrating on the top step of the podium at Le Mans, Daytona, 
Sebring, you name it, um, some heavy hitters. So again, just overstating the obvious here, but you don't do that if there's any question as to where the uh, roadmap is going to lead with Cadillac in the future, and that is LMDH. So, I mean, I guess the other question to ask on this one, and there's a variety of detailed questions about both this and the the, the linkage or lack of linkage to the GT future is, uh, your initial story talked about um, what I think the big surprise was, a uh, potential split program for Ganassi between IMSA and WEC. Do we believe that is still in the offing? Yes. Have heard what I've heard is it's still a open topic of discussion in terms of how many and where. Not if, yep. but what are the numbers? Uh, is it going to be two full-time in IMSA only? Is it going to be one in IMSA, two in what? Again, you can play the numbers like is it two here, yep. two there, one here? Again, that I cannot say as for what the plan would be, but obviously they're not expanding to two cars next year just for fun. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to track. Would not be, again, surprised if we have more than one entry here in the U.S. uh, with this LMDH program with Cadillac. We also know, uh, I think I wrote, I don't remember, brother, I don't remember most of what I do after uh, (laughs) minutes later, and that's not a joke. Uh, Action Express Racing will continue to be part of Cadillac's program. plans once lmdh arrives i think we mentioned on the show that uh, they are expected to make their first appearance at the 24 hours of le mans in 2023 once Mm -hmm. they have uh cadillac lmdh or two in their hands so yeah uh, lots of good stuff happening but as for the true full factory effort with ganassi uh, i think even they are just waiting to learn what general motors wants to do uh, and put some real finality to that action plan, both in Europe and the good old U.S. of A. As for the GT side of things, I think I have to wait till early next week for a little bit more expansion on that from MP and from myself. Let's move on. Let's clear up a little bit of um, housekeeping. Brandon Kratzer with a number of things, some of which we actually have already dealt with on the week in sports cars. Brandon asks, anything new on the possibility of Hendrick Motorsports joining IMSA? We we dealt with the fact that Action Express is not for sale. Have you heard anything about Hendrix as a standalone? No, I haven't. Uh, I've only heard about them continuing with Action Express. Okay. So whether that's the current part-time, whether that could expand to full-time, I don't know. Uh, I do know that, what, one or more of the drivers in that current Action Express uh, Hendrick Motorsport Cadillac program will not be in that car next year, assuming they continue. So uh, there's a couple of changes on the horizon there based on some things happening in other series. So okay. some evolution for sure. Uh, I know Brandon sure. also asks anything new on Hyundai. Not that I've heard. Uh, anything new on Ford. Not that I've heard, but I am meant to see some good friends from Ford uh, starting tomorrow down in Monterey uh, during the Monterey Rolex Motorsports reunion. And so, yeah, Ford CEO Jim Farley will be there racing one or two of his vintage cars. Uh, 
Ford, Trans Am legends. Uh, Parnelli Jones will be there along with George Falmer and uh, some of the uh, good folks from the Ford Performance Communications team. So I'm going to definitely see, uh, I don't know, is there a, a GT3 Mustang lurking undercover somewhere in a uh, in a trailer I might go find? Um, I'm determined to see uh, if and what might be happening. Interesting one. As, as far as the Hyundai uh, thing goes, I'll uh, uh, restate what we stated more than once of the week in sportscast, Brandon. Their primary program in sports car racing appears to be the uh, to be the first taker for the uh, hydrogen fuel cell regulations for the Le Mans 24 hours and following that for the WEC. Uh, the moment that is slated for 2024, though my guess at this stage will be that that will slip by at least a year because of the outturn from COVID-19. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Clement Rosanne says, any news on McLaren in LMDH? Can we expect that program to get a red light? Well, there has been news on McLaren, but in your other racing world. Yeah, uh, buying into the IndyCar team that they'd partnered with yet held no financial stake for the last two years or moving to 75% ownership, and so we'll control that. I did read something somewhere. I truly don't remember where it was that Zach Brown, McLaren Racing CEO, had mentioned uh, for what they have engine-wise within the McLaren road car family. There's nothing that me- meets the fairly specific uh, fitment requirements uh, to comply with LMDH crank height and a bunch of other things. So did see a note from him somewhere that if they were to do it, it being a, uh, a McLaren McLaren, uh, something that had a motor based on one of the road cars would be... Uh, uh, something that they didn't feel that they were able to do and would have to find a partner or another solution. Like Ford, uh, I'll be seeing Zach tomorrow morning, and we're meant to do our usual annual in-car video and whatever with some of the vehicles he's brought. So, uh, Oh, what's we, he brought? What's he brought? What's he brought over? Uh, let me do this, and I apologize for the brief break. Uh, let me open my texts. Type in Z-A-K... I'm hoping the answer is going to be Audi. Let me see. Uh, bringing his Williams FW07 okay. Formula One car. The other uh, Jones Championship winning car? Yep. Yes. The uh, His XJLP Porsche 935. Yep. And uh, a little bit of old Group C love with his Lancia LC2. Ooh. So no Audi, unfortunately. No, but I got was to... It, it was in rebuild the last time I saw it. But, yeah, uh, we yeah. did. Uh, we did a lot of stuff with that. In, uh, the last reunion I was at. So uh, we try not to talk shop too much because it is a bit of a break for everyone at the uh, the historics event there. But I will certainly be asking Zach a little bit more about the uh, LMDH side and a bunch of other things too. So uh, Clement, please a uh, little bit of patience here. Once I get to visit with Zach, uh, we'll certainly have more to share. Okay, Juris uh, asking about Acura. Uh, it's a follow-up on the NSX, the uh, news of the second Evo, the Evo 22, I think it's called, uh, for the NSX. Uh, Ed says, if there's no NSX GT3 program for 2023, does that free up HPD to provide or campaign more than two ARX LMDH cars, possibly two for IMSA, one or two for WEC? On the WEC front, um, I can say this. I'm in the process of putting together a bit of a... Uh, 
a health check on where we are across the board with LMDH, LMH, etc. Uh, and that will include uh, this little line that basically says, I am aware of at least three serious organizations that have uh, certainly sniffed around the potential for a Honda-branded uh, effort to the WEC. At this point, I am not in a position to confirm that any of them or that any other party is progressing on those lines. Got some other very, very positive news in the background at the moment, but it doesn't at the moment include anything positive in Europe about Honda slash Acura LMDH. What say you, MP, about uh, what we might see from the fine folks at Acura and HPD in the States? Funny you should ask. <laughs> had a phone call last week with Honda Performance Development President David Salters, Asked some IndyCar questions, asked some IMSA slash LMDH questions. Very successful in both asking and receiving, asking questions and receiving answers on the IndyCar side. I would say I stuck it into the tire barriers on the IMSA slash LMDH portion of the question asking. I don't think I did anything wrong. I don't think I posed things in such a way that led to a uh, adverse response. Let's just say at the end of the call where we finished up talking about or attempting to speak about Acura, IMSA, LMDH, team strategy, car strategy, I think what I said to David, and this is honest, well... Thanks, David. I guess I'll be able to tell folks pretty much nothing about anything. So at least I have that. So that was the takeaway, Ed. Uh, he said damn near nothing <laughs> about anything. Uh, it almost got to be comical. So not exactly sure why there's uh, a feeling that a question like, hey, Porsche says they'll be out in testing by the end of December. I understand BMW is meant to have their first car up and running next year in April. Do you have a general timeline of when you think the first accurate LMDH might be testing? And uh, talk about steel wall of silence. So I wish I could tell you, brother, I've heard many things. Now that's a little bit different was hoping to have some of those things that I've heard and from places that I would consider to be very solid places, uh, confirmed or whatever it might be. Uh, he wasn't playing ball with anything. So maybe, time permitting here in the very near future, maybe even next week if I can, I'll try and do another little LMDH update about whatever and drop some things in there that could be of interest, even if they've uh, been thrown back at me um, from HPD, I can at least speak about some of the things that I've heard that I know to be somewhat credible. So hopefully next week we'll have a little something for you. Okay, let's uh, crack on. Alex Gould says, do you think more manufacturers could uh, will commit to hypercar LMTH once they've seen how the current crop fare against LMP2s at Le Mans this year? I don't think that's part of their lexicon at all. 
um mp i mean I, I, we know that some people kind of around in the kind of the shadows if you like that, that piece i'm writing at the moment i can tell you alex and tell you mp the number of brands that are mentioned there um for a, a bit of an update that number is 16 one six uh, most of which are known uh, out there at the moment one or two that give a little bit of more information on little snippets of info that have been out there or are out there and one or two that aren't uh, but 16 uh, is the number that i've got at the moment that we can update on this is happening this definitely isn't happening that 16 for instance doesn't include ford um what what do you know about what's going on in the background uh, any more big ones to come in uh, in the states we we clearly know the two big subjects that are yet to kind of crystallize one is the recent convergence with the LMH rules MP and the other one is of course what will emerge in the coming weeks and months about customer cars for the brands we already know about yeah I don't know of any giants waiting in the wings Alex I'm unaware of any brands taking a a hashtag let's wait and see approach to wanting to enter hypercar slash LMDH once they see how current things kind of go for what this formula happens to be, whether it's the more free LMH, the more restrictive LMDH, what these formulas represent to auto manufacturers is a chance to insert and inject some personality into those vehicles. Again, one formula more than the other, but nonetheless, this is a formula in general, not for the timid, not for the Everyone else takes a step forward and you take a step back. This is a thing where if folks are truly interested, they're planning to get in. So just saying there might be some other formulas where you go, wow, okay, I really do want to sit and watch this play out and contemplate. I just don't see that applying here at all because it's fairly well-defined, right? LMDH, it's DPI plus a fairly weak Mm -hmm. curve system. Hypercar, it's kind of sort of GT LMP GT one ish type stuff that we've seen uh, happen in the past, been floated before. There's not a lot I would say, Graham, that jumps out as new that would have a potential top tier prototype uh, leaning manufacturer say, "Oh, uh, I'm going to want to watch this." See how it plays. I think we know, and I think they know what it is. So, yeah, I think who said they're coming, even those official, those officially and unofficially. Again, we know Cadillac's confirming. We know Lamborghini's confirming. Uh, we hope McLaren will join in. This is on the LMDH side that would take us up to seven uh, between 2023 and again 24, 25, whenever it might be. Uh, with some of the developments happening in LMH, great developments, right? That number of manufacturers is coming up and up and up. So I think there are plenty of people committed, Alex. Yeah, I think the the, the, the other ones that could commit, the one that I'm expecting we're going to hear something from, we don't know what yet, uh, that's the Renault-Nissan Empire. And because we now know, we'll, we'll come to that, I'm sure, in the uh, in the uh, Wekhauslums, Elmsaco, uh, frame about uh, some activities happening at the moment. We do expect to hear something there. I will say this: there is one program, one, one unknown out there. There's a known known, and there's some unknowns about it. 
what we do know is that um, Nissan have obtained an LMP2 car from, I believe, a US team. And that happened some time ago. We've known about this. You and I have talked about it in the background. We have absolutely no idea whatsoever what that's all about, other than the fact that we believe they're using that chassis tech to evaluate something. And so that's, I was just going to mention, Graham, tell folks about this for at least an good two minutes or so because i need to go get a delivery that's been left at the door so just fill them up with info brother absolutely so uh, we do know that they obtained that uh, that car some time ago for an as yet undisclosed program that sort of indicates the kind of aero and performance uh window that you'll get with an lmdh a hypercar program but nothing literally not one word out of Nissan. And make make it clear here, by the way, this is Nissan, not of the US, but in Japan, have obtained that car. That much we absolutely do know. Um, also know, because of the, the way that the politics within that group works, that anything we hear coming out of the Renault side, and we'll get onto that a little later in the show, is highly unlikely to be a shared platform with the Nissan side. Not like the VAG program, not like the Stellantis program that's peugeot and the potential for a dodge lmh uh in uh imsa uh not like that at all that if something does come from that and it's a massive big if literally the only thing we know at the moment is we do know that the lmp2 car uh, was purchased has made its way to japan uh, from we believe a u.s team that previously campaigned it no for way. what reason we do not know. But that's that. Uh, so that's the mystery uh, chassis that's been doing the rounds on social media uh, with the odd kind of nip-tuck, uh, maybe. Uh, that's the program that I think you and I have been talking about in the background, MP, for what, five, six months? I don't know. It's been around. <laughs> we just need, you and I need to write a press release and announce it. And then just hope that Nissan thinks, oh, all right, well, I guess we're doing that, and then they'll throw millions at it and see. Uh, everything will be good. Um, why don't we grab maybe whichever IMSA question you like most uh, and then move on to wherever you say uh, we should go. Let's try one completely different. Lots of really positive stuff about the uh, about the um, the future. What about one in the present? So, excuse me. Jose, Jose Javier J.J. Fernandez says, hello, Graham and Marshall, thinking of the Ganassi Cadillac at Mid-Ohio, and now the Meyer Shank Acura running out of fuel was leading in the last minutes of races. What is keeping these teams from better fuel strategy? Is there a new factor this season? Are they simply more willing to risk it? What's going on in this fuel strategization-wise? Yeah, I don't see anything that, that jumps out here. Avi, I don't. The typical thing is team's strategy, how cautions fall, and recognition as to whether they could try and stretch something uh, to their great advantage or possibly a late recognition that, aha, uh-huh, we are going to need to start doing something extraordinary to save fuel. Yeah, so with the uh, the number 60 Marshank racing, entry yeah that was yeah it was sad because obviously as it was mentioned 19 times during the broadcast they're the only dpi team that hasn't won this year they came quote close but not really close uh so 
yeah, uh, I don't think it's, there's anything unique here whatsoever. No changes for this year. Uh, let me, let me throw this one in real quick, just cause I saw it's easy to cover off. Tim glass uh, says, does the second Ganassi Cadillac suggest JDC might lose its limited factory support? Um, no clue. Uh, I've called team owner, John church uh, a couple times, uh, over the last week and we'll try them one more time. Um, have heard that they have of the two Cadillacs that they have run. One of them was sold somewhat recently, uh, for use in club racing or non pro racing and such have also heard they will be continuing next year. That's what I'm trying to call John and confirm, uh, that they will indeed be continuing next year with a single Cadillac. So can't speak for when we get to the end of the DPI formula, Tim, and whether JDC would be part of a, a customer or limited factory LMDH type routine, but have heard on pretty good authority that they will indeed be back next year, which makes me happy because I know that they did a big thing this year, Graham, obviously by winning Sebring. They haven't been ultra competitive at a lot of other places, though. So one of those things are in the back of your mind. You go, big win, amazing and great, but does this program look like it look like it's building strength or peaked early and maybe uh having sold one of the two cars are they uh tipping out the door so it doesn't sound like that's the case uh, there you go imsa done and dusted uh time to switch to where the on-track action is going to be underway from sunday onwards sunday is the test date for the le mans 24 hours we then um it goes quiet for a couple of days and effectively a completely different race beating starts on the Wednesday. I'll be on site through the weekend for the test day for Delhi sports car. And then Wednesday, I change shirts very literally and uh, move to the circuit where I will stay for the remainder of that race meeting until the Sunday evening uh, for the Le Mans 24 hours. Did say, by the way, I bring you a little bit of updates on what I've heard about a couple of additions to the motor trend Discovery slash Eurosport crew this year. Um, two drivers uh, joining that crew, uh, one of whom, previous winner, in fact, three times winner if you include the class wins, David Brabham will be uh, part of the Eurosport crew. And young Charlie Robertson uh, from the Genetto LMP1 crew uh, is also joining that crew as well. So a couple of different voices on that side of things. Well, that's no fun. The they're they're going to do a good job. And it, it, it's my favorite annual hate watch. I mean, come on. If, if I'm not that, getting Mike. 3 a.m. Bentley blower history lessons, why even hold the motor race, Graham Goodwin? I'm oh, boycotting yeah. Le Mans. The, like, seriously, I'm starting to get everyone you just brabs. I'm trying to get you fired. Charlie, you're I mean, this is, this is a travesty. How dare they? The way. Great news as well for lovers of IndyCar racing. IndyCar legend Dario Franchitti will be racing at Le Mans this year. <sighs> that old hack. <laughs> really? In, in, in an Aston Martin yes. DBR9. I saw Brilliant. a little, little Instagram wonderful. post of his with that. So how, how funny. All righty, Graham Goodwin. I'm going to fire off your starting with our pal Ricky Zagata. What is in store for the future of ACO GT regulations? Uh, and I know we've spoken about this, but yeah. do we want to crack this door open or do we want to keep it shut and try and leave a little surprise for uh, I whatever? Think, I think the 
I know you're planning to do something imminently on this. Here's I the problem, we, though. Yep. Sometimes when we say we're about to do something, sometimes others who are thinking the no, same surely, thing do it and not. get ahead of it. So let's surely just say we're going to publish this next Wednesday. But let's okay. do it for tomorrow. Yes. Um, if not today. So, yeah, <laughs> keep up with it, suckers. What do you think? <laughs> how about how about I'll answer for him, Ricky. Good I stuff coming. Uh, look at dailysportscar.com and racer.com. And what we write may be total garbage and 100% wrong, but we think we have an idea. So there but, you go. But I think it's, it's fair to say that if you've been a regular listener of the weekend sports cars, um, we've told well, you exactly where it's going. We have told you exactly what it was going to be. And we told you, I think about a year ago. And I don't think we were ahead of the curve. I think everybody's kind of said where it's going. So I'm just saying, like, I don't think we have anything truly unique. Like, oh, those guys uncovered the the, 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 the hashtag exclusive breaking scoop of the year. There will be no change next year. There will be uh, GCE, Ammon Pro next year. After that, uh, there are other options on the table. We are fully well aware of what that uh, that announcement is going to say. GT5. Uh, up, <laughs> uh, up to a point, there is. I think there is still a little bit of wriggle room. There's still a little bit of negotiating going on, and there are one or two slight unknowns here that uh, are clearly still exercising people in the paddock. Uh, but yeah, the, there will be plenty going on in the next few days on racer.com, on dailysportsguard.com, no doubt elsewhere as well, as everybody stumbles over each other to try to get the the best uh, bite out of that particular cherry. Uh, but lots of really good stuff going on. Keep an eye out on your preferred news outlets, and for avoidance of doubt, your preferred news outlets should be racer.com and dailysportsguard.com. Other outlets are available. They're just not as nice. We're such homers. Uh, let's see. Where else should we go here? Interesting one from Matthew License. Not sure I agree with the premise, but uh, he says, how come with the thriving customer market for GTE, has it not taken off more in the U.S.? And why didn't GTE manufacturers like BMW and Ford not aim their programs more towards customer racing? Mm, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Money, 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 I think is what it comes down to. We know, for instance, that the reason why Ben Keating did not carry on with any kind of campaign for his, he owned the X-Factory 4GT, was the eye-watering cost of operating that car. Ben had all sorts of options available to him uh, to go back racing, and he chose at that point to go with a customer Porsche, now a customer Aston Martin effort, rather than campaigning a car he actually owned. Now, that tells you all you need to know about the economies of scale in all of GT racing and in GTE racing in particular. The big difference for GTE is the capital costs and operating costs are greater. It's as simple as that. It is a multi-million dollar pound euro enterprise. Call it what you will. So the as, as for why Ford Ford did sell the cars, very many of them, um, but they did sell those cars, but they've they've basically become collector's pieces rather than uh, raceable pieces of equipment. BMW, I am very aware that there were a couple of um, opportunities offered for BMW to place cars with, I think it's fair to say, one very serious program, one perhaps less serious program, but interesting 
rather more PR-led program. Neither of those came to fruition. I just think with the BMW thing, and Peter, I don't know about yourself, but I just think their eye was off that program for a while. I don't think it was a priority, a corporate priority for them, certainly outside the States, um, to be pushing that M8 GTE. I got the impression throughout that that it never really was the car they wanted it to be. It has had some some real success, particularly in North America, but you definitely got the impression that they were not overwhelmed and not underwhelmed, maybe just whelmed um, by that program. It never really, to me, seemed to have the momentum that you'd want to see behind a world championship effort. Maybe that's just me being unfair, but uh, feel free to tell me on social media. Yeah, just say, uh, Matt, we had GTLM factory and then have GTD amateur slash customers. So uh, we've gone a different route over here, that being with uh, GT3-based competition since IMSA was relaunched in 2014. Prior to that, all GT racing under the American Le Mans series was ACO-based regulations. So since that changed in 2014 and IMSA decided to do its own thing, there's never really a reason for the factories competing in a factory class to try and do much of anything with customers since for those manufacturers that have do had or have dual GTLM and GT3 products to sell uh, BMW having, you know, being a perfect example, Porsche as well. Um, they've got things to sell to customers to race here in GT3. So, I, uh, again, I would not understand why they would try and do what you've mentioned. So, uh, let's see, 24-7 Sports Nutcase. And I'm Ooh. not sure I've seen that name on a question list before, so thanks for sending that in. Hey, Graham, with regulations coming on Le Mans Race Weekend, any hint of what some of them could be? Uh, lots. Of, we're expecting a number of announcements. We already mentioned the likelihood of something from Cadillac and GM. Um, I think there's a couple of questions coming along about Alpine. We'll save that one for those questions. We're absolutely going to be hearing about the future shape of GT regulations and the ACO rules uh, orbit. Uh, we may or may not hear something about the shape of the WEC moving into 2022. That time is pretty ripe. And whilst we don't normally get it at Le Mans, we don't normally have Le Mans this late in the year. So I think there's every possibility we'll hear something about calendar for the WEC, which, by, by the way, then gives us a few indications about calendars for other series, uh, too. No doubt in my mind that uh, the paddock will be uh, rich with gossip on two fronts, um, which drivers might be heading where. I've already got a number of um, indications of, as to what that might be for one or two uh, young and very talented uh, individuals. And also, I think we're going to be hearing a lot about who is making progress on the customer LMDH, in particular LMDH uh, fronts as well. So lots of news to come. I expect we are going to hear about both um, the GM and the Renault slash Alpine plans for future hypercar slash LMDH projects. That's massively, uh, massively positive. I know that other factories are likely to use that space to put a few more 
um, decorations on the tree, if you like, uh, for their programs. They all want to be talked about. They all want us to understand that they're serious and they're making positive progress. There's lots of gaps in the knowledge base, the public knowledge base in particular, that do still need to be filled. Which teams are working with which factories? Which drivers are working with those teams and with those factories? What's happening in the customer marketplace? What more can we actually hear about that? The other one I'll be looking to to, to hear uh, anything that they might be prepared to tell us is exactly what are the timelines looking for at the moment with those hydrogen regulations. And in particular, because I know there's some questions looming about this, what's going on with the H24 project? That's gone very, very quiet indeed. Uh, that car was supposed to have raced at the start of the season. We've not seen it. We know there was uh, a couple of incidents in testing for that team. Um, but we've not seen that car out and running at all. So that will be something I'll be trying to sniff out uh, during race week. It's an extremely busy week for the teams and for the organisers. And the logistics involved, particularly in this kind of COVID protocol, make it very difficult indeed to get literal FaceTime with people. So, you know, uh, I'm as hungry for information as I know you all are. Uh, it's not like it is an IMSA paddock, trust me. Uh, we've we've got all sorts of restrictions placed upon us. We'll bring you what we can in our own good time. MP, what's next? What's next? Uh, well, we got a little bit of Alpine stuff as you okay. trailed. Uh, RF Red SFC says, "What Ooh. is more likely for Alpine, LMH or LMDH?" Also, uh, realize that sometimes we have, or hopefully often, we have new listeners to the show. What are the chances of a rebrand for IMSA? Like uh, Stellantis, they're considering with the uh, 9X8 Peugeot. So this is, just to to explain what that is, the 9X8 is the Peugeot. Uh, Stellantis is the operating group that has a massive number of international brands. And we've covered um, pretty completely on weekend sports cars, DSC and Racer, around the likelihood. Well, we know because they told us directly they are actively evaluating a IMSA version of that car with one of the other brands, very widely expected to be Dodge uh, for a US-based program for a version of that LMH car now that the uh, those cars are going to be accepted as part of the convergence. Um, is there a likelihood of a converged uh, sort of things for whatever the Alpine emerges as? Not aware that there is. It's not to say there won't be. Why do we believe that Alpine are going to be announcing something at Le Mans? Because the Alpine F1 car is going to be demonstrated at the Le Mans 24 hours. It won't, I'm sure, be a full tilt, full lap of the circuit. No doubt that's not going to be permitted. I cannot remember the last time. I I simply don't remember a uh, near contemporary because it won't be the current car. It can't be because of the testing rules. I don't recall the last time an F1 car tested uh, at Le Mans. Um, So that's interesting in itself the really interesting part about the mp as i know you understand is the chances of alpine being allowed to do that at the aco's premier event without there being some collateral to play with for the future are less than zero um i expect therefore there to be confirmation of a future program involving either an lmdh or an lmh Uh, for the Alpine brand. I also expect that if that's the case for 2023 onwards, that we're likely to see 
the current A480, given the opportunity to race again as a grandfather car in 2022. Will it be an LMDH or an LMH? Timelines suggest that LMDH is the more likely option, but I'll reiterate this. Orica initially told us, because Orica, I have zero doubt if it's going to happen, it's going to happen with Orica. Orica initially told us that they had multiple LMDH customers and on the basis of that would therefore be ceasing work on LMH technology. They later told us, that was some months later, that had changed and that they were still now open to an LMH program. So the answer is it could be either. And it's distinctly possible that what we're going to be hearing is the choice between the two or it could be they're evaluating both. But either way, I cannot believe it'll be any later than 2023. If that's what we hear, it is a simply massive announcement for French motorsport. I don't believe Peugeot and Renault, uh, because Alpine, of course, is the Renault group sporting brand, have ever gone head to head as factory entries at the Le Mans 24 Hours, ever. For that to happen in the centenary year of the race is absolutely enormous. Um, I'm trying to think just how big we could make this MP in terms of anything else in world motorsports history. Uh, The two biggest brands in French automotive, uh, in the French automotive world, two of the biggest brands in the world Uh, going head-to-head, the biggest race in the world in its centenary year. Add to that Ferrari, the biggest brand in the world, Porsche, arguably the next biggest brand in the world in the automotive field, Audi, Acura, BMW, (sighs) Toyota, the biggest company in the world, Um, and you've got something completely extraordinary uh, being built up. And by the way, General Motors likely to announce, you know, the other biggest brand in the automotive world. Can you, can, other than the centenary of the Indy 500 MP, can you think of anything in motorsport history that comes even remotely close to this? There was the Paul Revere 250 Grand Aires <laughs> at Daytona that comes to mind. Uh, no, there's nothing even close. No, I mean, look. It's uh, Indy 500 on its 100th, Le Mans obviously on its 100th at some point in time in the future. I don't know, whatever that is, 20, 30 years, uh, I guess the 100th Daytona 500 or whatever. You know, I mean, these are the big things. Monaco, you know, it's 50th and what, you know. But yeah, uh, hitting that, that three-digit, holy cow, 100 years since the first, that's just nutty. So no, giant, giant, giant stuff. And I hope to be there for it. Yeah, absolutely. Me, I I'd absolutely hope that you're there for it. And um, you and I should talk about plans, about what could be done, not just on the professional level, but the personal level too, Just not just with you, but with families too. That would be a great plan to, to look forward to. But um, look, have I got an immediate insight as to the detail that we're going to hear at Le Mans? No, I don't. Am I... 100% expecting that we're going to hear it. I 100% am expecting we're going to hear about Alpine's plans for the future uh, with a top-class effort. And that can only be massively, massively pop, uh, you know, massively, massively po- uh, positive. 
it doesn't leave very many large players that aren't involved in some way, shape or form, does it, MP? That The shining example of that we've already mentioned is Ford, not going to be involved in it. And that, by the way, is the answer uh, to um, someone else's question. What was Who else was asking? Who else would we like to see coming? Ford would be the one that I, I think are the big missing piece here. And it's, I think, my absolute regret that they're not going to be part of that. Two more here, Graham. First from Ian uh, Ivan Pandev says, with two newcomers to LMP2 this year, Reese and WRT, how have WRT been able to jump right to the top of the order while Reese has not? Says, how did WRT get experience in setting up and engineering prototypes uh, when they were, I think, mostly in GTs before? Uh, well, two things. I think fundamentally different programs. So WRT have come in with a single car apiece in uh, LMS and with uh, WEC. Remember that uh, they did have a DTM project before. Uh, they've also got certainly a little bit of uh, engineering now is coming with a variety of people arriving with WRT from other areas of motorsports, including LMP2. The RISI project, it's, a, it's not quite a one-off. We saw the car at uh, Monza as well. Uh, with a warm-up race of the WEC. But uh, this is Rizzi Competizione uh, working together with others, um, some some very familiar faces, including Gary Holland, the team manager uh, for this Rizzi Competizione effort. Uh, but this is uh, a project being put together, bringing the uh, car owned by the Cullen family with a couple of very good drivers alongside, uh, Ryan Cullen, to put together a what's a, a very shiny project for the Le Mans 24 hours. I'm delighted to see it there and hope we're going to see it again. It would be great to see if that car committed to do, for instance, the two Bahrain races, but it's not the same thing. It's not a full season effort and it's not an effort designed to turn, to do one thing, WRT, it's to turn the head of Audi uh, to try to nail down what Vincent Voss and his backers hope is going to happen for them, which is the project, the WC project for LMDH for 2023 on onwards. Why are they so keen to do that? Because that deal is not done. That is not nailed down yet from WRT. They came out the traps running in LMS and won the first two races. They've not managed to do the same in the WEC, and that's becoming a critical path for them to try to nail down what is absolutely their aim for 2023 so wrt throwing everything they possibly can at this uh, investing in engineering talent investing in uh, racing talent in that project with a view to getting a signature from audi on a works contract to run the wc program two car program for 2023 they have not yet managed to do that and they have competition in that regard there are numbers of teams that would like dearly like to have um that's uh, that opportunity that option uh on board for 2023 that's not the case for risi competizione we don't have the same insight into what giuseppe risi and his team are aiming for in this new era of sports car racing but no doubt whatsoever that what wrt are looking for is the audi works contract they've not got it yet and they've got other people banging on those same doors, banging on those same tables, having those same conversations with a view to trying to, to achieve that very sane aim. All righty. 
closing this category. Touched on it a little bit, but uh, figured just be another opportunity to bring up my favorite hate watch. Our pal Daniel Summersgill. Any news to report on what the Lamont TV coverage will consist of this year? What the okay. various commentary options will be? Says hashtag me personally. Looking forward to the annual dose of Chris Parsons and Mark Cole in their Bentley Blowers chat. So I know we've gone into this a little bit, but uh, yeah. it, th- what I like about this question, and hopefully you can pick up on, is with the aforementioned additions to the broadcast. Mm-hmm. I, I am positive they don't. Eurosport hasn't listened to this show to take instructions, but it does appear that someone somewhere said, and pardon for cursing, let's make this less of a shit show wrapped inside of a rolling dumpster fire. So can you share any insights on what appears to be a real effort to make it less bad? Okay, so effectively what you've got are, if you're following it with broadcast media, are three available options this year, no matter where you are in the world, three available options. You've got the audio-only Radio Show Limited, Radio Le Mans option. Uh, With the regular crew, as far as I'm aware, there's been no real publicity about what's going on there, but they will not be on site. End of story. Will not be coming to Le Mans again for the second consecutive year. Uh, They will, though, be doing, I'm sure, their regular job of audio content uh, with analysis Uh, from wherever they're broadcasting in the world but there will be i believe nobody on site at the at le mans and they are not yet confirming whether or not there will be an audio uh service on site for fm radio either the last i've heard seen is that they are still in negotiations as to whether or not that will happen the fact they're not at this point confirming that means there's a possibility it won't happen. So that's Radio Le Mans and the Radio Show Limited uh, crew. Uh, the Eurosport side of things, neither will they be on site. They will not be broadcasting from Le Mans either. Uh, I know from a number of people I've spoken to a part of that broadcast, they will be recording, sorry, they will be uh, um, broadcasting from the UK. Uh, don't know whether or not they're going to have their pit lane reporters on site this year. They did last year. Uh, don't know who their pit lane reporters are going to be this year. Have been told that uh, David Brabham, 2009 overall winner um, and twice a class winner, will be part of their broadcast team. Tom Gamer, I believe, is their lead commentator for this season. Um, and Charlie Robertson, Janetta, factory driver, um, and LMB1 driver, I know, is joining that team as well. The ACO TV crew, which is the team that you'll hear on the app, I believe. Now, you'll have to remind me here, MP. Am I right that is it the mobile app, you, a mobile version of Motor Trend On Demand? You can opt for our commentary. I don't know. You, I've never I used think, it. I, think, I couldn't tell I, you. I think the answer is that you can. That will be the regular WCTV crew. That would be myself, Martin Haven, and uh, Alan McNish with Duncan Vincent and Louise Beckett in the pits. Um, I can tell you that uh, there will be a second crew joining us. I can't yet tell you because it's not for me to announce who that trio is, but there are two additions to the team this year two people who have not been part of that broadcast uh with us through the wec or previously in my uh, time as part of the tv team with one lead 
and one color that has not been part of that uh, crew before. Lewis Hamilton um, and Max Verstappen. Uh, it's going to be uh, in fairness. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to kind of. You're wrong, but you're so so close. It's basically going to be Lewis Hamilton, and it's going to be. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it, it's going to be Mr. Horner, and they Karen Horner coming Karen to the Horner. rock. Yes, I love it. <laughs> But uh, there will be a very high-quality crew for that. I can tell you that our broadcast will be uh, from... Uh, we'll do free practice one as our technical rehearsal. Then every one of the lawn 24-hour uh, sessions from there on in, we will broadcast live from trackside uh, with full coverage in pit lane as well. And we'll be assisting too with some of the... Uh, the live broadcasts and the uh, highlights broadcasts for some of the uh, the uh, the support races too, including the Road to Le Mans, the second race, they're broadcast live. So lots and lots going on. It's going to be very, very busy. Um, and a couple of names, as I say, joining our crew that I know will put smiles on people's faces whether or not that's uh, the variety of people that take our broadcast uh, from the Trackside's live, or whether or not it, that is you getting your uh, your service for that broadcast uh, to, to fire the app uh, that I believe was launched today. But I'm very pleased indeed with the people who will be joining me and Martin and Alan McNish uh, in that booth. Uh, and looking forward very much to starting that that output from Wednesday. So that's what you've got available to you. That's where they're going to be. That is as much as we can tell you at the moment in terms of who they have got. Uh, and there is, therefore, a variety of options available to you. Where do we go next, brother? Which category do we go to? I think the answer um, is going to be we're going to go for a couple of general and fun questions to complete this broadcast. Uh, uh, what have we got left in terms of time, MP? Uh, sooner the better. Okay, let's uh, go with this one. General, we've got uh, Hedurus and John Richter both asking about the future of the Acura NSX programs. Acura and Honda announced last week the final year for NSS passenger production will be 2022. How long after that, they say, can HPD and JAS maintain the GT3 program? Do they drop the NSX, continue to concentrate on the TCR car. Uh, I could give a, fill a, little, a few gaps in here. The way that works is that the bodies in white, the chassis in white, are provided to JAS uh, in Milan, uh, where they produce the either Acura or Honda-badged GT3 cars. Uh, they had a number of those chassis on the racks uh, when I was there about a year ago now, and... Um, that included some of the cars that were in uh, in build for, uh, for instance, the Magnus car was uh, there and ready to be uh, ready to be shipped uh, under wraps, and I think they had four or five uh, chassis still available to them and more to come on demand. Um, I think it comes down to customer demand, doesn't it, MP? Would have to believe so. Obviously, homologation durations another thing that. Uh, would obviously factor in how long uh, the car would run. But, yeah, this is uh, another question. Maybe I should have asked this one first uh, with HPD. Uh, maybe that would have uh, gotten them a little more ready and happy to speak. I don't know. Uh, clear, obvious question that's being posed to us 
is the same one that stands out as being most obvious. We know that they are doing a big and serious LMDH program. We know that the NSX has been a staple uh, for a number of years now that's coming to an end. Is there something else in the pipeline uh, with Acura and a GT model that I don't think any of us would expect it to replace the NSX? You know, just NSX goes quiet, and the next year there's something new or different to replace it. That's not something I believe any of us have heard about being real. But is there something that might come not too long after it goes quiet uh, that would be a GT replacement? Or is this just ending, as we've seen happen, Graham, many times since uh, Acura was founded? Uh, the NSX rises up as a great era in whatever it might be. Raced at Le Mans, raced here in World Challenge for many years. Uh, it's been seen and loved in a number of places over tighter, more specific time spans, uh, be it Europe, mostly the USA, obviously Japan, but uh, we've gotten really solid and great pockets of Acura slash Honda GT activity in the world. Then pretty big breaks between. So what are we about to go into? Is it a long break until the company comes up with something else to uh, to create and race? Um Feels like that's what we're coming up on. So uh, sad that there isn't an immediate replacement that none of us know about if it does happen to exist, but not a real shift or change that comes to mind, Graham, from what it's been like uh, over the last couple of times this has happened. So kind of a similar script, it feels like. Uh, yep, it's um, an interesting one isn't it, in terms of the future of uh, GT3 and well, other things I think uh, will add some Chris to that mill in the next few days on that one. Uh, Damien Peachman says, what does the future hold for the Suzuka 10 hours? Now, this it comes out of the recent revelation that uh, the IGTC, this is the Intercontinental GT Challenge, uh, for the, um, the SRO uh, rules racing will just delay for a short while their decision on what's going to happen with calendar for 2022 i think the answer here is going to come down to just exactly where the the world health situation leaves us that uh, includes uh, decisions for both the japanese race uh, which has formed part of the rgtc in recent years and of course with about first 12 hour it's sort of out of their hands isn't it in terms of whether or not they're going to be allowed to take international racing at that level into the japanese marketplace i i will make some concerns about the short-term future for the IGTC with one of its blue ribbon events Bathurst being difficult um, slash impossible and one of the development events that being the Suzuka 10 hours proving to be difficult and you know we've seen with the WEC their difficulties with putting on the Fuji race has meant that they've uh, decided to defer to go to a double header in Bahrain for the time being. Uh, I think the IGTC has got some challenges ahead of it uh, right now. Um, it's not to say nobody's calling it you know, a dead dog. It's not that at all. But uh, COVID has not been kind to its development. And certainly the Suzuka 10 hours is a race that required a bit of development in terms of the um 
the, the <laughs> getting people through those gates, for starters. I, I will admit to being underwhelmed by the number of people who attended when I was there a couple of seasons ago. Uh, what does the future hold? Challenges, certainly. Uh, it's going to need, I think, uh, a fair amount of promotion to put that up to the stage where it's where the Bathurst 12 hours was, let alone where the Spa 24 hours is. Uh, I don't know if you've got any kind of further thoughts on that front. And certainly as far as the Indy 8 hours is concerned, which is the other party, of course, together with the nine hours in Carl Army for the IGTC MP. I've got none. Uh, I stopped caring about the IGTC a little while ago. And as I've said <laughs> on the show more than once, uh, it's it was never long for the world. It's gone on longer than I expected. But yeah, and so I'm not trying to be mean or critical. It's just one of those things that in this era truly not sustainable as a long-term it's going to be around, be around forever type thing so uh yeah there okay, we go let's move on what you got uh, <laughs> uh damien also wants an update on the bike calls hypercar program uh stealth technology it's one every yeah. race just don't tell yeah. anybody uh paulo mendioro <laughs> says our mp's cats as belligerent as they look on roger warwick's cartoon <laughs> mentions your dog oscar <laughs> looks quite docile for a husky uh belligerent that's a that's a perfectly chosen word paulo so uh <laughs> rocky when he wants to eat which we hear frequently on the show him meowing that's him just uh yeah i counted Last week, 19 meows in a row when I was just looking at him when he felt that he should be fed even though it wasn't time. Uh, meow, meow, meow. Just loud and belligerent. Uh, Rosie, she, I don't know if belligerent is totally her vibe, but she is just a little ball of fire. And she takes nothing from nobody she's in charge of everything owns us um she's pretty crazy but we love her so but yeah rocky uh rocky can be a little bit of a dick every day for about two or three hours until he uh, gets his afternoon feeding so uh but yeah i think between the three pets it sounds like your pup is actually the uh the sweetest one uh, he's he's uh, he's very docile um he will chase literally anything uh, had chased the two cats when he first arrived here, has learned that that's, that's not required on voyage and has, has learned that lesson well. Um, has chased and caught and, I'm afraid, has uh, been the end of a squirrel, uh, but that's, I'm afraid, what his nature is. But uh, as far as kind of people are concerned and the cats that, that, that share his living space and kids and other dogs, he's, he is just this, he's a sweetheart. He is an absolute sweetheart for a dog. And yet, I, I would put it this way, his demeanour much more of a kind of Labrador retriever than perhaps some Huskies, which I know some Huskies can be quite aggressive, not remotely aggressive. Uh, he is an absolute sweetheart, beloved of, uh, of all that come in through our doors and from all that meet him kind of socially. Um, and uh, the only thing I would I'd suggest is that his only flip side, if you like his behavior, is he is an absolute dustbin. He will eat and eat and eat until uh, he is forced to stop at gunpoint sometimes. And even then, with a gun, he, he, you know, he, he's got his own gun. He's eating and, the gun, uh, too. He's eating the gun. And, um, yeah, and uh, trust me, what em emerges from the rear end of a husky when overeating does not warrant 
description and polite society. It is a tsunami of filth. Backfiring. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, I mean, we got one or two more fun. I don't know. Um, you tell me if let's, we want to take one, and if so, pick one and we'll close the show. Al- let's take Alex Gould's uh, one to close the show. It uh, brings us neatly into uh, Le Mans week, uh, test weekend, and Le Mans week after that, Alex Gould says, which car do you think had more potential at Le Mans, uh, mo- uh, much more potential at Le Mans than ever fulfilled? Hashtag me personally would suggest the Nissan GTR, LM, GTR, Nismo, GTR, 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 LM, GTR, um, or even the TVR T400R should have had more investment in reliability, could have done well like it did at Spa in the Le Mans Endurance Series. We've talked before about the potential for that Nissan. In more recent times, two cars, um, and I'm hoping to catch up with somebody on one of them. Uh, I think the Rebellion R13 had real potential. Uh, had it not been up against the um, absolute storm of performance that was the TVR, the, sorry, TVR, the, uh, uh, the Toyota TS050. The other one, and I've said it before, is uh, certainly in WC races, maybe not so much at Le Mans, was the, the Genetta LMP1. Uh, I do think that car, had it had some sensible additional development and uh, investment could have been a race winning car in six hour racing. I have little doubt that that would have been uh, the case. And it's a, it's a shame that that wasn't the case. The TVR T400R very old tech. Um, one of my absolute all time favorite GT cars for all sorts of reasons, but very old tech compared to some of the cars coming along behind. But uh, it was, it was pretty old school stuff and uh, all the better for it. MP, anything that uh, struck you that coulda, shoulda, woulda, mighta? The Nissan there, it it will never stop being painful to think about (laughs) what that car was capable of doing but failed to remotely get close to achieving. So, yeah, it's. I've said this before on the show, if we could go back in time, make some management changes make some decision changes. There's so much that could have been amazing about that car, but unfortunately it was human failure, not mechanical electronic vehicular failure that led to that program being uh, all sizzle, no steak. So yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to pour out a 40 here and, in memory of what could have been with the uh, good old GTR LM Nismo RM LGTR Nismo. No. Um, Graham Goodwin, take us home. I will indeed. Um, as the sun starts to sun, sun starts to set uh, here uh, just to the south of London in the UK, and sure, another lovely day over in California, MP. This has been the weekend sports cars. I have been Graham Goodwin. He has been Marshall Pruitt with thanks again to Cooper Tyres, to the Justice Brothers and to TorontoMotorsports.com. Next week, we're hoping to bring you some special content from the Le Mans 24 Hours Paddock. Until then, join us next week and send in the questions for what I'm sure will be some form of uh, Le Mans preview. Uh, this has been the Weekend Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. We'll speak to you next week.